Good evening and welcome to a Saturday evening, July the 2nd edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with our regular Saturday evening guest, Mr. Lucas Doremus. Uh, we're glad to have him aboard tonight for our ongoing study of the book of First Thessalonians. We uh, last uh, two weeks, we've had uh, quite a history lesson. Uh, uh, just uh, studying the just the beginning of the book of First Thessalonians, we've learned a lot about the Apostle Paul, uh, his travels. Uh, we've learned about some of the folks that he traveled with and and uh, aided him, and, and uh, uh, you know, just a great history lesson and uh, the beginnings of some really really good doctrine coming up here. And uh, Lucas is going to be taking us through chapters two. And probably three, uh, he says, we might even get into chapter four this morning if if all goes well. So I'm not going to take any more of his time. Um, I'm going to let him get started here. Lucas, take it away, sir. First Thessalonians. Sure, thanks. So we're going to begin in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Uh, we just got done with uh, Paul giving them a kind of background of his conduct. Uh, the things he didn't do, as well as the things he did do. And then he talked about um, when they believed and how they suffered this persecution in the same way as the Christians did in Judea. Yes. And so now the this next section is, uh, this is a very personal section. Now, one more time reminding, we've been over this last two weeks, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they had just come out of Philippi. Yes. And they got beaten extremely bad. And yes. then they had to, and then they left and went to Thessalonica. So they're probably still in a lot of pain. They're probably sores. So that's where they come to the Thessalonians. And so they need these people, the, the, the Thessalonians, to help them. Right. And so that's why they, I think that's one reason they had such a connection. Um, it's pretty clear that Paul also worked with them a lot. And, you know, when you work with somebody closely, you tend to get to know them pretty well. Right. Um, you know, and you kind of have this bond, uh, even if it doesn't last past the employment and whatever it is, you know, while you're there, there's this bond. And so sure. I think that's why. So this personal section, this just shows, you know, the love and care that, that really they shared mutually between each other. So verse 17 but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Now, when the mob in Thessalonica came against the house of Jason, Paul, Silas, and Timothy weren't there. Uh, right. Who, who knows where they were? But right. it was it, this was bad enough that they left probably very quickly. Mm -hmm. They left most likely without saying a lot of goodbyes. Right. It was just, it was probably a very quick, look, Paul, you got to get out or things are going to get really ugly. And so they where's left. The, where's, the, where's the back door? Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, so when Paul's starting to talk about this, well, boy, he, you know, it, it's, it, it was such a quick exit. Um, and I also like to say this in presence, not in heart. Mm. So, Paul, you know, he's made a couple references to continuing to pray for them and think about them. He's actually going to make another one. 
And so Paul felt very close. So even though he's not there physically, he's still there in heart. Now, this was before phones and social media and all that sort of thing. He literally had no contact with these people. Right. And so it's interesting that Paul says that he's not taken away from them in heart, even though he had zero contact. Right. So just, just interesting that prayer creates that kind of connection, just that you feel like you're still together if you're praying for somebody else. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, if you're apart from somebody, start praying for them. I'm familiar with that myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So start praying, and 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 there will you'll you'll feel close to them again, not in presence, but in heart. So they really want to come see him. So verse eighteen. Therefore, so because they really wanted to go see him again, we wanted to come see you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. And this verse is very interesting because. Throughout the book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit generally guiding, you know, whoever the book is talking about. Most of the time, Paul. Yeah. So how did Paul here know that Satan hindered him? Mm. Well, we don't know what way they were hindered. Now, again, we think this was probably written in Corinth while he was there. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know how Satan hindered us. So how or how he hindered Paul. So. How did Paul know it was Satan and not God? Well, mm-hmm. I can think of two likely situations. Um, either it was extremely clear that Satan was doing it in mm-hmm. some in some way, shape, or form, or God told him it was Satan hindering him. Okay. And so it well, is... Well, of course, God has spoken to Paul on more than one occasion, you mm-hmm. know, you know, from their first meeting forward. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's not out of the range of possibility. Yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, I, I know there are things that have happened in my life and I know in yours too, Curtis, that, you know, weird stuff happens that you're not able to do what you think you should be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of think, boy, that's weird. And, you know, so did, did Paul see a lot of these weird things? Did he know it was Satan right then? Or did he really not know in, until God told him to write this letter? You know, I think it was probably obvious to him. I mean, it, there, there have been times, like you're saying, uh, and, you know, most of our listeners probably have had this same uh, suspicion or same gut instinct or feeling that, it, you know, Satan is really really trying to throw a monkey wrench in this here mm-hmm. uh, and you know it yeah you, sometimes you just know it, and i think that might be due to holy spirit indwelling oh yeah mm-hmm. and uh so whenever it's, satan is clearly capable of hindering us from mm-hmm. travel at least mm-hmm. um, and so but the thing to realize about this is that if Satan didn't hinder Paul from going to see the Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. This book would have never been written. That's probably true. Yes. <laughs> and so even though Satan was the one that hindered Paul, it's mm-hmm. God's joke on Satan. That's like, yeah. well, yeah, Satan, I, you hindered him. But yeah. I, had, I had Paul write a book of the Bible. So <laughs> thanks for falling in line with my plan there, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a book coming, mm-hmm. you know, 
yeah. And so, yeah, Satan's definitely, he's definitely capable of hindering us. And hopefully we recognize it when it happens. But we know whenever it does happen, God always can use that situation for what he wants. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just, it's, it's a perspective to have. That's all. Okay. Verse 19. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ and his coming for you are our glory and joy. Yeah. I mean, Paul's saying here, this preaching that I did for you and the fact you believed, you're my hope, you're my joy. Oh, by the way, you're also my crown of rejoicing. That's exactly right. <laughs> now, we are going to get some crowns like that. Yes. Yep, th there's going to be crowns for us preaching the gospel and people believing it because of that. Mm -hmm. Um he also says it's hope and joy. So I think those are very earthly things, too, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, when people believe because of work we've done, uh, it, it gives us hope and a joy. Absolutely, it does. And it's definitely rewards also. And so Paul's recognizing this. You know, this isn't Paul being selfish or prideful or anything like that. He's mm -hmm. just recognizing the obvious. And actually, you know, when I know people that I've preached to and their lives have changed in one way or another, either they believed or it's just a discipleship sort of thing. Well, well that does that does make you feel hopeful and confident. And it it definitely does. It, it's mm -hmm. an encouragement. For it, sure. It is absolutely an encouragement. So, yeah. uh, so, so I encourage you go out and do that. And you'll just hit this reality that Paul did, too, that when you do this, it's a hope, a joy, rejoicing crown. And you get crowns, by the way. That's um, right. So, you know, there you go. Okay, chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it. Now, only one thing. Notice Paul is saying we, as in Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Mm -hmm. All three of them got very close to the Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. When we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother. Now, wait a minute. I think this is very interesting. Notice how Paul sent Timothy away, and he thought he was the one being left alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just, to me, that just, that just shows how close Paul was with his companions. Oh, it, al it also shows you that Paul did not think he was like, well, I'm the leader of this outfit, and you're all the subordinates. And you, he, It was a... You know, companionship, it was a joint effort of all of them. Mm -hmm. um, he thought he was being left alone, as in, Timothy, I really don't want you to go because I will feel lonely when you leave. Yeah. But I more so want to hear from these Thessalonians, so I'm going to send you. And I bet Timothy did, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, verse 2. And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Now, there are two books written to Timothy as well, and I often hear them called, well, this is Paul talking to young Timothy. And, you know, he even makes reference to Timothy's age, saying, you know, don't right. look down on people while you're young. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know how old Timothy was, but, but look at what Paul says about him, brother, minister of God, fellow laborer. Um, yeah, Timothy was young, but I don't think Paul looked at him as any lesser. I don't think he, he did. Mm -hmm. and I again, don't think he did either. 
it just shows you another level of respect and uh, yeah. humbleness that Paul had. Mm-hmm. Um, pastors, if you're listening to this out there, you've got a lot of fellow laborers in your church. <laughs> Make sure you look at them the same way Paul looked at Timothy. There you go. Okay. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Uh, now, that word establish means to make stable. And I just love that, that, you know, we're sending Timothy to give you information and encouragement so that you're stable. I just love that. Verse three, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Yep. Now, I, I know some people out there that would say, well, in every book, you should find one verse that kind of sums up the whole book. And I think when it's possible, I think that's a neat thing to do. Uh, when a book gets really long, I think that can be hard to do. <laughs> it would be very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that the end of verse 2 and verse 3, this really is sort of the summary of the whole book. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, or you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Yes. That, that sort of sums up the book to me. Now, you know, it doesn't include everything that's in there, but it's a pretty good summary statement. No, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah. So we want to be established and encouraged in our faith, and we shouldn't be shaken when trouble comes. That's right. Why should we not be shaken? Well, because we're appointed to it. We know it's coming. Yeah. So when, you know, as we look forward to the future, and, uh, you know, hopefully the rapture happens soon. I'm hopeful of that, but, you know, it could oh, be a while. <laughs> and so as we look for that and we as Christians continually get to be persecuted, things like that, we shouldn't be shaken. Why? Because we're appointed to it. And the persecution is coming. Make no mistake. Yeah, it so is coming. started and they're ramping it up. Mm-hmm. When yeah. our president calls fundamentalist Christians domestic terrorists in a DHS memo. That's mm-hmm. about I mean what what more do you need to say? Uh, they're coming after us. Yeah, and and I think that was a few years ago, wasn't it? Uh when that no, happened. That was, oh, that was no more than a year, maybe an 18 months ago. Okay, so, okay, cuz I know it happened before under a different president than we have now, so it happened again. I just missed that. Indeed. And, and, you know, when we get just to, you know, talk about afflictions and appointed to it and all that, you know, mm-hmm. what Curtis just said, that kind of thinking has implications. Does. You, you know, we kind of look at that and we hear it and go, oh, man, that's bad and all that. But you think about the people that actually think that and how then they're going to act based on that. And they really do believe that. Yes, they do. And so it's a, now, does that mean everybody in government does? No, I don't think that. But enough people that make decisions do. Yeah. And so we just need to be aware of that, that that thinking is out there. And I can almost guarantee you that that thinking won't come up in a campaign when it's, and when it's an election year. <laughs> they, they might get questioned on it, mm-hmm. but they'll, they'll downplay the rhetoric at that point in time. Yep. So it's just something oh, in America. Right yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Goes. Oh, yep. Just to be something to be aware of in America while we have these election year cycles. Just remember that that thinking still exists and it's not going to come out on the campaign trail, but it's there. It's there. So, yeah, we are appointed to it. 
Verse 4. For in fact, we told you before when, before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. Again, we're appointed to it. You know what's going to happen. Verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. Now, the tempter here, uh, there's no other mention of uh, some other person that would be tempting. Uh, the only other personage is mentioned in Thessalonians is really uh, Satan. So I think you'd have to conclude this tempter here is Satan. And when he says... Slave uh, conclusion, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when he says that our, our labor might be in vain, now that doesn't mean he didn't know if these people were believers. Um, he's called them brethren. He's talked about their faith multiple times. So Paul is not saying here that their faith not, might not be real or they have a fake faith or a spurious faith or anything like that. Right. Um, Paul obviously spent a lot of time on their sanctification. Yeah. And he doesn't want that work of discipling these Thessalonians to be in vain and have them be tempted and turn back to worldly things. Right. So that's what he's talking about here. Uh, it's not that these he's worried about these people not going to heaven. It's their sanctification, their faith in establishment as far as their faith in what they're now doing in life, not mm -hmm. their faith that gets them to heaven. Because uh, faith gets you to heaven, and then faith should spur you on to good works. Yeah. But faith doesn't always spur you on to good works, does it? Because, boy, we're still mm -hmm. sinners. <laughs> yeah. Yes, unfortunately, we still have that nature. Mm -hmm. So that's what Paul's talking about here. He doesn't want Satan coming in and tempting them to sin and go back to the life they had. Not that they won't go to heaven. They are. But he doesn't want that to happen to them. Right. Um, and notice here, when he says our labor might be in vain, he doesn't sit there and, like, threaten them and, put, and hold hell over them. Like, you know, if you weren't established in your faith and you're not doing these things that I'm about to tell you about in chapter 4, you might not go to heaven. Um, right. He never says anything like that. No. He just says he doesn't want them to fall to temptation. That's it. Now, this is not a chiding. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not a punishment. I'm sending somebody to to make sure you're doing stuff right. Yeah. It's not exciting. It, it is a concern. Very big yeah. concern. Mm -hmm. uh, out, of, out of love and, yeah, and concern, Paul sends Timothy back. Yes. Yeah. So as we're, you know, as we're going about life and we're talking to other brothers and sisters in Christ, when they're not living the right way and it's obvious in some reason, we get an opportunity to talk to them. We don't assume they aren't saved or they might not be saved or whatever. We just assume they're having trouble. They've been tempted. They've fallen temptation. And I love you enough to try to pull you out of it. <laughs> yes. Verse 6 in chapter 3. But now that Timothy has come to us from you. So Timothy left while they were in Athens. He came mm -hmm. back. Um and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. So very mm. mutual feeling here. Right. So much so that verse 7, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning mm. you by your faith. Now, uh, I got to meet a musician named Phil Kagey. 
uh, if anybody knows that name. I got to meet him and talk to him. And, what uh, is that? The name sounds familiar to me. I don't know why. Yeah, he, he's been around the Christian music scene since about the 70s. And so he's he's been around. But I got to meet him and talk to him a little bit. Okay. And I got and I got to say to him, you know, one of your albums really changed how I play guitar, and that's what I like now. And you know, I'm just I'm just thankful for you. Um, I actually I built my own guitar, and I have the cutout of the sound hole. And yeah. so I brought that to him, and I said, "Could you sign this?" Because I'm I am Curtis. <laughs> I tell you, I'm like one of those people that I don't care about meeting anybody that's quote famous. I don't right. I don't care about any of that. But you know, I had a little thing, and I just thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, Phil's a nice guy, and he and he signed it, um, holy <laughs> unto the Lord, but he spelled holy H O L E Y because it's the yeah. hole in the guitar. Yeah. And then he wrote Proverbs twenty five twenty five. Proverbs twenty five twenty five says, "As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country." Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And that is exactly what just happened to Paul. He needed yeah. some encouragement, yeah. just like you need water. Yep. And uh, and he got that through the Thessalonians. Yep. So just that's a verse that's always stuck out to me since I got to meet him. So, All right. Verse eight in uh, chapter three, back in Thessalonians. For now we live, if you stand fast in the faith. Now, that word, if, is sort of a funny word in Greek. And what I mean is we just got through, you know, really half the book talking about their faith, talking about how they're still following their faith. Now they just got refreshed. So he's not saying for now you live if you stand fast in the faith like he doesn't know because mm -hmm. Timothy just told him, hey, these guys are standing fast in their faith. Right. So this word if it really is a form in the Greek that means if and it is so. Yeah. And so it's really for we now live if and you are standing fast in your faith. I, in think, the the, I think the modern translation would be since. That's what I was just going to say. Yep. So this word is really better translated since. So it really it is more accurate to say for now we live since you stand fast in your faith. Right. As they are. So uh, verse nine, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Uh, interesting how Paul is trying to find a way to thank them for the joy he gets from them. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Isn't Paul the guy that preached to them and brought them out of serving idols and those things? Should they be thankful for him? Wait, yeah, wait a minute. But Paul, oh, just another way Paul shows his humbleness that, no, I'm thankful to you. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, yeah, just another way that, you know, when Paul says in Romans chapter 12, do not think more highly than you ought. Yep. Paul lived it. OK, verse 10. Now he says again, this I think the third time he says this night and day praying exceedingly uh, mm -hmm. for them. Um, mm -hmm. I tell you, Curtis, I think I've said this before. I fail at this quite often. The night and day praying. I, yeah. That's something I need to get better at. I think Paul did it. How did he find the time? I don't know how he found the time, uh, but I know where I know how he found the inclination. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say this, but 
you'll always find that inclination more present and more compelling if there's some tribulation going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Now, just personally speaking, I've there there are some things that I won't share publicly right now, but uh, a lot of tribulation in in there there has been and continues to be some in my life concerning some family members. And so mm-hmm. believe me, when it's something like that, uh, you more or less stay in a, in a state of prayer. Yeah. So I can understand sure where did. Paul was. He was, and look at the tribulation he was going through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everywhere he went, mm-hmm. it followed him, you know. So, yeah, I can understand him being in a constant state of prayer. Yeah. So that's, I think, uh, Curtis, that's an excellent perspective. That I don't want tribulation to come. You know, I'm not seeking it out. I'm not praying for it, anything like that. But, boy, one thing it does. <laughs> there are some positive side effects to it. Absolutely. Uh, if, if, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, then it's definitely got some positive aspects to it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the Bible, Christianity, Judaism, I think it's the only book that really makes a point of that. Generally, uh, every other religion is to avoid it. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that remarkable? Yeah, but the Bible almost says, it's not that it's enjoyable, <laughs> but right. don't be afraid of it kind of thing. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah, because God is I'm, there. Because the guy who lives in you is more powerful than any of that stuff in the world you're dealing with. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Peace be with you. Take take Be of good cheer. That's right. <laughs> For I have overcome the world. Amen. Okay, praying night and day exceedingly, that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. See, the work wasn't done yet. Yeah. Uh, we don't we don't really know how long Paul spent with the Thessalonians. We know it was at least three weeks. Uh, my guess is most likely longer than that, but we don't know. So, mm-hmm. but he's saying we want. I want to see you again. I want to see what is lacking in your faith. Now, on his third missionary journey, he. Paul went through Macedonia again. Well, so, yes. so it doesn't now Acts doesn't mention that he stopped in Thessalonia. It does mention people from Thessalonia coming to see him. It does. In Acts chapter 20. So mm-hmm. it is possible that Paul did get to eventually come back to Thessalonia and see these people again. Right, right. Possible. Possible. Even though it's not documented historically, you bring up an interesting point out of Acts. Yes, mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's just possible. possible. It's, yeah. it's it's possible. Verse eleven. Now, I think uh, every once in a while, you know, Paul in some of his letters throws in these little prayers, or sometimes we call them benedictions. All right, man. I think this is a good one. Verse eleven. Now, may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Mm-hmm. If you are apart from somebody, I think you could just pray these three verses. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, and there's an interesting point in this in this particular benediction, and mm-hmm. as you to it um uh, yeah <laughs> man here and here's my question it, 
it's it's basically a three verse benediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and verse the second part of that is the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, mm-hmm. even as we do toward you. Now, what happens if you if you live that way? Do you do you love everyone? Even the people that you now listen, even the people you dislike, mm-hmm. and it's your nature to dislike some people. Mm-hmm. Some people are not very likable, but do you love them? Do you love them enough to share the good news of the gospel with them? Um, and do, do you love one another? Hey, church members, hello, are you loving one another properly? Now, if you do those two things, what happens? Then God establishes your hearts unblameable in holiness Mm -hmm. before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Wow. So I've got to do two basic things. I better be loving my Christian brothers and sisters, and I better be loving human these humans that are all around me enough to be sharing the good news of the gospel with them. If if I do those two things properly, I'm blameless in holiness in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very hard to have a negative opinion for of someone when you're praying for them. <laughs> it sure is. It really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely right. So, and gosh, and even if you're with somebody and you see them all the time, yeah, you still want to abound in love toward them. You know. Right. Yeah. So you're exactly right, boy. If we were night and day praying for each other, mm-hmm. now what what would happen? <laughs> you know, boy, the the world would be a much better place. Yeah, I think it would. <laughs> than it is right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good, very good benediction, very good prayer. One to maybe commit to memory and just pray for uh, people. Absolutely. Yeah. Right now we've got, let's, let's break into chapter four. Now, Paul talks about a way to walk, and he gives three main ways to walk mm-hmm. in the beginning of chapter four here. So verse one, it says, finally, brethren. Now, <laughs> I don't know. I love it when Paul says, finally, and then there's two <laughs> more chapters, you know, just, I don't know. It's sort of a, I don't, I don't know if anybody will get this. It's a Midwestern goodbye. <laughs> you know where you start saying goodbye and you stay for twenty more minutes talking. You know, maybe it's maybe it's one that, of those things. So true. Okay. Finally, then, brethren, we urge <laughs> and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just mm-hmm. as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Mm-hmm. So Paul spent a lot of time on. Look, this is how you conduct yourself. This is your behavior. This is your walk. This is your conduct, all those things. And to please God. Yes. So the walk is the way we please God. You know, sometimes we kind of have this thought that God is up there just looking for ways that we mess up. He's not looking. He he already knows the ways we're going to mess up. Yeah, I mean, he already knows. He and did you, search that out, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, it just, it's a change of mindset to go, oh, if I do the right thing, I'm pleasing God. Yeah. God's more looking for the times I'm pleasing, because I'm already forgiven of all that stuff. Oh, oh, yeah. 
So really, God's looking at this times I'm pleasing him. Hmm. Yeah, it kind of changes your outlook a little bit there, you know? It should change your outlook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you through Jesus Christ. So I, I just, again, this, there are so many times in this letter he says, you know, you know, remembering, Malia. They already knew all this stuff. And they did. And, and just mm-hmm. for when our listeners, this this has nothing, a lot of them may be thinking about our, our current president right now. No, no, no. This is nothing like what, what Biden said. You know, you know the thing. That, mm-hmm. That's not, this is not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, We're, we, we, got, we, should, we should have a different walk. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Okay, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, before we read the rest of the verse, I got to confess that I think I have sometimes used this verse improperly. Now, in uh, we we sometimes we talk about the three phases, the three P's of salvation, and mm-hmm. what the, what those are is uh, there's justification, which is when I get saved, and that mm-hmm. happens when you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose for your sins. And that happens. you're automatically justified then. Yep, it happens in that is instant. You're justified, mm-hmm. you're given eternal life. Those things yep. happen. Now, That's right. at, at that moment, you're also glorified. You're sanctified. You're set apart. Yep, you are you are glorified. You are on your way to heaven, and that glorification will happen either when you die or at the rapture. That's correct. And and you're guaranteed that. That's now, correct. The thing is, there's this time between justification and glorification, the time you get saved and the time you're in heaven, and we call that sanctification. Now, sanctification Mm -hmm. is not automatic. And so we go up in our lives, we go down, we sin, we act righteously. It's a matter of faith. Well, when you say it's not automatic, I think doctrinally it is automatic once you're justified because you are considered holy and set apart by God at that moment also. But what you're saying is, I believe this is what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that sanctification is a gradual process. The it, It's a slide, isn't it? Yeah, and you don't always go in the same direction. That's right. You can move forward, become more sanctified, or you can you can backslide and become mm-hmm. less sanctified, but you're still sanctified. You're still, you're still sa- and that's kind of where I was going. Is sanctified just means set apart? Yeah. So when you are you are sanctified, you are set apart mm-hmm. as as a Christian because of your faith. Mm-hmm. Now your behavior. That is a part of your walk. That's a moment by moment faith thing you got to do. That's that walk is not guaranteed. That's what I mean. Yes. And so, yeah, and so, and so, what I have used this verse to say is for this is the will of God, your sanctification. I have kind of used this as saying it's that phase in between justification and glorification. And I don't think that's correct because what he says next is that you should abstain from sexual immorality. I think what Paul, the way Paul is using this word sanctification is, for this is the will of God, you're setting apart that you should not be sexually immoral. Right. So all I'm, I, I go into that, it's a personal confession because I think I've used this verse incorrectly. So God wants us to be set apart. As believers, our walk, 
our behavior, our conduct should be different. Mm-hmm. Now, we know it's not always different, but, you know, we know in Corinth, uh, one of the believers was sleeping with his father's wife. Yeah. Oh. So we believers, even though we have faith, we can do some pretty bad things. Yeah. Which is why, again, for one another reason, we shouldn't look at someone, look at their behavior and decide they aren't saved just based on that sin we happen to notice. Correct. So, okay. So that's probably all confusing. Personal confession, if that didn't make sense. I think Pastor Dick's done justification and sanctification. He's getting ready to do that this week. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now, Mm -hmm. um, this... (laughs) Thessalonia is not America. Uh, they they did not have uh, the internet and the ability to look things up on the internet. Uh, they didn't have tabloids at the checkout lane at the stores. Um, they didn't have TV or any other video platform to see whatever it is. Um, but I, you know, the more I read scripture, it seems like back then there was a proliferation that you could walk down the street and see essentially the same thing we could see in a grocery store. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I think that's probably mm-hmm. right. Yep. Yeah. And and so now, is it more prolific? Is it more easy to get a hold of now? Yeah, I think that's probably possible because you've got a device in your home that no one else can necessarily look at, and the availability is right there. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think probably in Thessalonica, just like New York City today, there's always going to be some guy standing, you know, in the darkness of an alleyway saying, hey, buddy, yeah. come on in and see this, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what you're referring to. And I think you're probably I mean, you got to be right. Yep. And so this this sexual morality, this is I mean, this comes up pretty often in the Bible. So it's, it's, it's a big deal. Okay, so let's keep reading about what he's actually talking about here. Verse 4. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, again, that sanctification set apart, or really this word even here probably means uh, purification. Mm-hmm. And so we should know how to keep ourselves pure. Well, how do we keep ourselves pure? Well, the sex, sex you know, the the Anything like that only happens in marriage. Mm-hmm. Anything beyond that, beyond that, is immoral. And in many of those ancient cities, you know, it was basically expected that you would do these sorts of acts because of what the religion or what you know was well, it. Uh, much of the idol worship uh, was ritualized in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, was it Corinth that they would have the temple virgins literally yeah. walk or through the city and commit sexual acts? Yes. As part of the, okay. Yeah, yep. so did that happen in Thessalonia? I don't know, but something must have been going on for Paul to be making this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now uh, let's see, verse 5. Not in passion and lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now, we're supposed to conduct ourselves to not have this passion and lust for it. Paul's not denying that it exists. That's yeah. not how we're supposed to act. He's just saying <laughs> that it's, 
it's right when it's within the confines of a marriage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it is not right in any other context or in any other situation. Mm-hmm. And we need to abstain from that because um, it's all around and Paul's telling us to do it. Now, mm-hmm. not only that, he goes a little bit farther here in verse 6, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know exactly what was going on here, but somehow when Paul mentions his brother, mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's adultery going on. Uh, yeah, you know, defrauding could be getting a brother to go along with you to sin in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, taking them with you to the temple prostitutes or something like that. So we need to be very careful, not only for ourselves, but how other people, how we're acting towards other people about it. Right. Right. So in the end of verse 6, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we for also forewarned you and testified. Mm-hmm. Um, there does seem to be this sexual morality. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to dogmatically say this. This is just kind of something I noticed being brought up. God's judgment on people that are sexually immoral mm-hmm. seem, seems to be special in some way, mm-hmm. especially considering in Thessalonians where he talks about sinning against your own body. Um, <clears throat> now, also, you know, and the reason I say I'm not real dogmatic, sin is sin is sin. And, you know, you, you know, it, it, it is. But there's mm-hmm. some sins out there that also seem to have this kind of just, I don't know, just this extra thing to it. And I don't oh, know how to describe there, it, but go ahead. There's some passages in scripture uh, concerning specific sins mm-hmm. that are that are in scripture quoted as being very grievous. Mm-hmm. God. Okay, and you know that we don't have to go into what those sins are, but there are sins that are mentioned that uh, that I mean, they're say, it says they, they grieve God highly. They're mm-hmm. very grievous. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, yes, there, there are some immoral sins that are uh, worse than others in mm-hmm. God's eyes. Yeah. yeah. So, there's some of them are pretty bad. Yeah. And so there's this kind of dichotomy is sin is sin is sin, but there's also sin that's not like the rest. Can I say it that way? Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse seven, for God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Mm-hmm. Now I looked up those words, uncleanliness and then holiness. Uncleanliness mm-hmm. is is just impurity. Mm-hmm. And then holiness really just means purity. <clears throat> so there's really just a direct contrast here for God did not call us to impurity, but to purity. <laughs> so purity is uh, not being sexually immoral. Impurity is being sexually immoral. Um, and again, we're, we're not going to follow the whole marriage thing just because it's not here. We could do that sometime, but, but that's what he's talking about. Now, right. at, at the end here, he, he really puts a stamp of approval on it here. Verse 8, therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also has given us his Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, there are lots of ways you can justify sexually sexual immorality, whether it's changing definitions, 
uh, of what things are, whether it's justifying it that, well, this is okay because of this, or, you know, I'm not really sinning because da-da-da-da-da. So I, th I think this is just kind of a, look, don't be sexually immoral. And it's not me saying it, it's the Holy Spirit. All right. And so just as, a, you know, this was apparently something very important, and maybe the reason he's saying that is because this was an issue that Paul took a while to get across to these Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. Maybe they struggled with it. Because, again, when you're coming out of a religion where part of that religion is sexual immorality. That it's always available. Yeah, it, that's hard to break away from. Oh, sure. So, you know, maybe they were struggling with it because it took some time. It's like any other addiction, I would say. I would mm -hmm. think. Yeah, it, it is an addiction. Yeah, it certainly can be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Paul Paul really spends some time on that. So that's the first way he talks about walking. Now the second one is in verse nine. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, mm -hmm. and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And I just think that's cool. These Thessalonians were so good at loving each other, taking care of each other, all those things, that Paul didn't even need to say, look, I don't even need to tell you to do this. But keep doing it even more than you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just think that's so neat. So, I mean, boy, can we take that as an admonition? Are we really loving our brothers so much? But the only thing that can be said is, uh, do it more. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I'm not, I'm not sure I fall into that category. So what, what uh, a good admonition. I don't know how many of us do really. Mm. I, uh, you know, sin nature gets in the way of that too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And this is that. So that's the second one, second way to walk. Now this third one, this is, I don't know, this kind of has a special place to me. Uh, verse 11 that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mm -hmm. mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. Now, those three are, he says, three ways of kind of saying the same thing. Um, so, you know, aspire to lead a quiet life. Don't go around making trouble. Right. Around, around make trouble. Now, to mind your own business. Now, that's actually two words in the Greek, and it just says, and those two words are, do one's own. <laughs> okay. Then, yeah. Don't get involved in other people's stuff. Right. right. You know. Don't be a big body. Yeah. The, take care of them. Brotherly love. Don't don't get overly involved and you know, mind your and own that, business. Yeah. yeah. You know. <clears throat> and to work with your own hands. <laughs> and uh, so I think that's very interesting. Um, we're expected to work, and to work well, at our. We're expected to work at our own job. We're mm -hmm. supposed to know what our boundaries for that job are. We're mm -hmm. supposed to know our boundaries. You know, the, the proverb that comes to mind is, you know, he who gets involved in a matter, not his own, is like a dog who grabs the ears, or a man who grabs a dog by the ears. Right, right. It's not necessarily a sin, but, man, it's annoying. <laughs> Boy, it sure is, isn't it? You know, and so this is such a good admonition. Um, Quiet life, mind your own business, and to work with your hands. I think a lot of ways this has a lot of implications for America. Because as we've talked about, persecution's coming. 
it's here. I mean, it's here. It's coming more and more. But if you look at our um, cost of living and the ways America is different from, say, other countries, uh, mm-hmm. we we still have a lot a lot better off. Our, in, in many ways. Yep, our freedoms are being eroded. Uh, you know, almost daily. That's for sure. And we can see that. But yet, we're not being sent to the Coliseum. Uh, we're not having people dragging out of our houses. Well, some cases people are having that, but yet, yet, by yet, yet, and by and large, we're not experiencing that. <clears throat> so there are a lot of ways in which in America, this verse should really impact us a lot. Right now. As we command it now, verse 12, why do we do those things? That you may walk properly toward those that are outside. See, when you have that quiet life, minding your own business, working your hands, that is a proper walk, and people outside, meaning non-believers, will notice that. Mm-hmm. Well, if they notice that, that gives you a good rapport yes. to hopefully share the gospel. Now, something I do when, when we move to the town we live in, and we would take walks around town, we would notice a lot of people in cars would wave at you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really do that a whole lot in the town I used to live in. Not that that town isn't great, too, or anything. I just didn't do it. So, you know what? I always wave to people now, whether I'm walking or driving. Yeah. And, you know, 99 point whatever percent of those people are probably never going to come into contact. Right. But there's also people in my neighborhood that I've seen multiple times that I wave to. Yeah. And I think, boy... All I'm doing is waving, but if God would ever give me the opportunity to talk to this person, mm-hmm. I would have already established just myself being a generally friendly person. Yeah. Now, am I going to get rewards for that in heaven? I don't know. I'm not going to claim that sort of thing. But I will tell you, if it ever happens that I get an opportunity, instead of glaring at them and keeping my face down, I'm someone that they could possibly go, oh, yeah, you're the guy that waves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I get that I've gotten that at jobs I've worked before, too, where uh, people can sometimes feel a little uncomfortable uh, if, if you're, you know, if you're friendly and, and open and have a smile on your face. They automatically, you know, the old saying is, uh, you, you know, if you got a smile, on your face all the time, people are going to wonder what you're up to. It, it's almost as if the world, you know, full of unbelievers, uh, they they feel the burden that they're dragging every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they see somebody who doesn't seem to be dragging that burden, they feel like, well, that person's not pulling their fair share. Mm-hmm. How come they don't have to feel like I feel? And they, they they automatically get a little uncomfortable around you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not your fault. You know, it's just the way that the unbelieving world thinks. Yep. I had a, back in college, um, I was not a party or anything like that. But I, I did go to, there was one time where I went to somebody's apartment or house and there was drinking involved. And I, and I don't drink, but uh, I was there and that person had already had a few drinks. I had never previously talked to this person about alcohol, but I had a number of classes with this person. So I knew who they were and we had talked and we were kind of friends and but we, we'd never talked about views on alcohol or anything like that. 
Right. I, I walked in, he saw me, and he immediately said, don't judge me, man. <laughs> it's like, I yeah. didn't make a yeah. face. I didn't you say anything. I mean? Yep, I didn't do anything. Right. So, so, you know, th this quiet life, minding your own business, working well, you just never know how that could impact somebody, maybe for an opening for the gospel. We just don't know. You're right. And, and one thing you should know is that even when you don't think somebody's watching you, somebody's watching you. Yeah, very possible. There, no, it's, it's the way it is. Mm -hmm. People, if you are, if you're sanctified, justified, and you're sanctified, it's noticeable whether you like it or not. And people yep. are going to look at mm -hmm. you. Okay, so that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So our, our, our lives better show the right stuff. And it's important to our walk, yeah. And to, and, and to finish it up here, there's another benefit to walking this way. What uh, is it? End of verse 12, and that you may lack nothing. So if I do this, mind your own business, work hard, if I'm having brotherly love, uh, if I'm you know, not being sexually immoral, or I'm, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm abstaining from sexual morality. There you go. Okay. Sorry, I had to work out how to say that right. <laughs> um, I won't lack anything. Right. Does that mean I'll have food on my table? It means you'll have what you need. Yes, I was going to say, it may not be the food you want on your table. <laughs> you will have what you need. Mm -hmm. My God shall supply all your need, not mm -hmm. your wants and desires, all your need. Yep, and we're more important than the animals, and God takes care of them. How much okay. more? Amen. You know, he'd take oh, care of us. Matthew, what, a, what a great book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So, so just that walk, those three things he points yeah. out. Now, at the end of verse or chapter five, he's going to get yeah. a whole lot more admonitions. Yeah. Um, but, but apparently these three were important enough to point out uh, yep. that we should really take notice of them. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to uh, chapter four, verse 13. Yeah, which and, is and the passage about the great catching away. Yeah, the the greatest benefit of all. Yeah, and and I think uh, this is why I have not cared so far in the study about sticking to chapter divisions, because actually yeah. the division between chapter four and chapter five, mm. I think that actually really breaks up what Paul's trying to say. Yeah. And since we just kind of have this mental separation of those, it's unclear what he's talking about in chapter four and how that relates to what he's the day he's talking. So we will do all of those together next week. Sounds like a plan, sir. Yeah. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. Wow. I am too. Uh, what a wonderful study of the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, and Lucas, thank you for for taking the time to uh, show thyself approved unto God as a workman that should not be ashamed. And because you're, you're rightly dividing the word of truth, sir.
Right. I'm just excited to do it. So. <laughs> yes, and I'm 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 happy to to be participating in it with you. Um, so uh, thank you again for that for that encouraging hour, my friend, and uh, to our listeners, we we hope that you were blessed and encouraged as well, and that you will uh, tune in with us on Tuesday morning with Dr. J. B. Hickson, and then again next Saturday with Pastor Dick in the morning and uh, Lucas uh, Saturday evening with us. So uh, you know our schedule by now. If you've been listening regularly, uh, you know, it don't, don't miss nothing, okay? And it, But if you do miss one, it's okay. You can go back and listen to it anytime. And we know you do that. I've seen evidence of it, and we, we are blessed and encouraged that you do that. So thank you, dear listeners, for being with us once again. Lucas, thank you once again for taking an hour of your very, very busy week uh, to share uh, the word with us. We we greatly appreciate it. We're greatly blessed by having you as a part of the, uh, on this team, my brother. Uh, you are very valuable to us. Thank you. Uh, so with all of that being said, Lucas, you have a wonderful evening. and. Uh, um, we will talk to you soon. To our listeners, uh, we thank, we praise God uh, for you and, and thank Him uh, for for your listenership. And uh, tell your friends, you, uh, there's people out there that need a blessing like this. So be sure and tell them about the Christian Underground News Network. Okay, uh, we love you. We we pray for you, and uh, we thank God for you daily. So. Uh, until we meet again on Tuesday morning, this is the Christian Underground News Network signing off. We'll see you then. God bless. Mm-hmm.